Hey, this is uh, Dan Whitney, Larry the Cable Guy. We are on Talking Truth. This is episode, or season nine. I apologize, season nine. And we'll be, uh, I'm with Nat Crawford, as hey. always, the fabulous Brian Clark. Always mm. looks fantastic. Oh, are you seeing the same person uh, I am? Mm-hmm. I absolutely am. I like the shirt. It's <laughs> a nice shirt. It is a nice shirt. Um, uh, uh, we are uh, in season nine, Courage to Lead. That's the topic of it. And when it comes to some of the leaders in our country, all we can say is, Houston, we have a problem, because we definitely do. I mean... Look, let's face facts. Um, if you're bowing down to the R next to a politician or the D next to a politician, uh, you're bowing to the wrong people, okay? Mm-hmm. Because as you know and I know, we got a big clown show going on with people that are running this country. And uh, But here's the deal with it. What if we stopped complaining so much about it and started investing in our kids to help them be godly leaders in the future. That's what's going to bring you out of these messes. And so today we're going to talk about that, and we're going to continue our series in 1 Samuel called Courage to Lead. And so um, we're going to, I'm going to ask just questions I think normal people would ask as well. Um, and, and Nat's got his questions that he wants to ask. So anyway, Brian, you go ahead and read it, and we'll come up with something. And I'm sorry my chair is so squeaky, but... It's squeaky. <laughs> All right there, squeaky. <laughs> God calls us as Christians to rightly represent him to the world around us, to influence others. That's leadership. But leadership is a sacred trust. It's a precious thing to be asked to represent Jesus to others. So we should sit up and take notice that our story today tells us there are spiritual leaders God honors and there are those he despises. What makes the difference? Our story in the opening episode ended with the words, but the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. All seems to be going well until we are told that Eli's sons were worthless men who abused their roles as priests. The term translated worthless means they were pagan, far from God and his ways. That's not good. The tabernacle was the dwelling place of God. For the Israelites to come and worship God, they had to come to Shiloh to the tabernacle. They didn't have another option across town. This was it. We are told Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, abused their power and were stealing the offerings of meat for themselves. We are also told they were having sexual relations with the women sent to the tabernacle to serve there. Meanwhile, Hannah and Elkanah continued to honor God and worship God. They were the contrast to Eli and his family. Each year, Hannah would come to the tabernacle and care for her son and bring him gifts. As a matter of fact, we are told that God honored Hannah's faithfulness by giving her three more sons and two daughters. The contrast between the two families is obvious. We are told that Eli is old and that his sons are unfit to be priests in the tabernacle. And sadly, Eli did little to correct them. As a matter of fact, we are told Eli was fat, which probably reflected the idea that he was benefiting from the sacrificial meat his sons were stealing. You see what is happening? 
God is preparing to judge Eli and his sons for their sin and preparing Samuel to be the next leader, one after God's own heart. It's easy these days to complain about all that's happening in our culture, but complaining doesn't really change anything. All we're doing is venting our anger. This story reminds us if you want to change the culture, invest in the next generation of leaders. Instead of criticizing the younger generation, how about we invest in them and encourage them to walk in the ways of God? You know, tomorrow's leaders are all around us today. The text tells us that a prophet came to Eli and informed him that because his sons had abused their roles as priests and Eli did nothing to stop it, he and his sons would be removed from their roles and God will judge them. God's specific rebuke to Eli was that he had honored his sons over God. God stated, I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who despise me. Eli chose his sons over God, which is an act of idolatry. God is raising up a new leader who will do what is in his heart and soul. In other words, God will raise up someone who will put God first and rightly represent him to the world. Eli honored his sons over God. Of course, we need to be committed to our families, but they cannot be more important to us than God. That would be idolatry. Even Jesus said he must be more important to us than our families. Think of it this way. What our families need to see from us is our passion to worship him and to walk in his ways. Our kids need to see that God is the center of the universe, not them. We need to model what it looks like to follow Jesus first. The issue in our Samuel story is Eli and his sons. But there could be lots of things we honor above God. What about our business or our money or our reputation or maybe our material possessions? What about honoring pleasure over God by engaging in behaviors we know are offensive to God? Or what about honoring our desire to fit in with the culture so we end up celebrating things that dishonor God, or giving in to peer pressure, which is simply honoring others over God. To rightly represent God to the world, to influence others for Jesus, we need to have the courage to do the right thing, to not go along with that which offends God, and to seek after God and to walk in obedience to Him. As we will soon see, God can do remarkable things through people who have the courage to seek after what is in the heart and soul of God. We don't need to be the majority in the culture. We just need to be faithful. We'll bring in Dan and Nat to talk about this. But first, let me remind you that today's episode is sponsored by Go Tandem, your spiritual fitness app. Start a daily spiritual workout plan that's tailored to your needs. That's Go Tandem. Download it today. That was fantastic. Yeah, well, thank you very much. The announcements are We need to get better. this guy to do more yeah. and more spokesman work. I've been practicing. <laughs> I hear. All right. You know, something you said at the beginning just really struck me. You said leadership is a sacred trust. I've never really thought of it that way. But you're right. That 
is relying on someone with great responsibility. And in this case, as you said, it's a precious thing to represent Jesus to others. That sounds like our lives as Christians, it's not a passive role. It's not something to be taken lightly, but instead God is giving us a great responsibility to influence others. I think that's really cool and really empowering. It is, and it's really sobering. The God of the universe has asked me, you, to represent him rightly to the world. Yeah, what was he thinking? (laughs) That's a lot of responsibility. (laughs) Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But what an awesome thing. It is. You know, this whole idea of spiritual leaders using their position for personal gain, that's really nothing new, is it? No, No. it's all over television. I mean, absolutely. you watch these guys on TV. I mean, that's one of the main... I I do not want to be one of these people Hmm. when they pass away. Right. Because the people, they are misleading. And I don't know, Brian, if they know it or they really think that they're right. They're, it's so they're so outrageously you watch those those guys on TV right and you it's just blatant <laughs> I mean they're so unbiblical but you know people will still follow them and that's what that's what gives true Christianity a really bad name and just and it's nothing new obviously and that's what this is stating. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you think about how crazy this got at the tabernacle with Eli and his sons, mostly his sons, and all their crazy behavior. They were threatening. They were bullies. uh, They were sexually mistreating these young women coming to the tabernacle. I, it's like, I literally golfed with these two guys a couple of days You know ago. them, right? <laughs> I get it. Yeah, but you think about it, I mean, it's like, it's like you're reading a news headline from today. I mean, nothing changes. There's nothing new under the sun. Here yeah, well, that's the cool thing about the Old Testament. Humanity has not changed. Cultures have changed, but humanity, the way we act, is, has been the same forever. Right. So the issue with Eli was probably not so much his direct behavior, but the fact that he was unwilling to deal with his sons and what they were doing in the tabernacle. I mean, that's basically what the prophet uh, or what the message is, is that to Eli, you honored your sons Mm -hmm. over me, God says, and a result of that, you're out and somebody news in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You look at that and you go, why would he do that? But then you think about our own lives and the things that we can turn into idols and the things that have influence over us, and it's insane, but we do it. You know, in this case, Eli, maybe he thought, well, if I can keep the peace with my kids, that's worthwhile. Maybe he valued their opinion, obviously, more than God's. But at the end of the day, I go, well, I do that, whether it is with my kids or with so many other things that I let hold precedence over me and my devotion to God, I, I, I can really be no different. But let me ask you this, just for the lay person that you know, wants to understand, how do you, when does it become an idol? When, do, when does it become your, 
putting them over God. Like I love my kids to death. I'll do whatever for my kids if they're doing something wrong. I tell them they're doing something wrong. Um, but when when I'm just trying to figure out when when do these things become an idol? That sounds like a great question for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it is a good question. I don't think it's a black and white line. Right, right. But I think when we start changing our theology from what we know is true mm, right? to something mm. that accommodates the culture because our kids have drifted that way. I, I, you see that a lot with parents where they start to compromise what's true because they don't want to create conflict with their kids. Right. Or they start choosing priorities that aren't necessarily putting God first, but their kids and kids' activities. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, what I want my kids to see is that the most important thing in my life is my relationship with God, and what matters most to me is my relationship with Jesus and walking in obedience with him. Right. And sometimes that means we might have to have hard conversations or make difficult decisions. Mm. I, don't, I don't think there's a simple black and white way to to draw those lines, but I, I that's what I want them to see from me. I, I don't want them to leave my home believing they're the center of the universe. Right. And I think that's that's often where the problem lies. So 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 basically, um, you could consider an idol, say your anything that starts to change your belief system to accommodate whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, it's anything that starts to become more important to you than God, right? And then that's going to show up in. Well, beliefs and decisions and priorities. Okay, I just I'm trying to see if I'm if golf is an idol. I was going to ask you if it was, golf was going to be the uh, the the nature of the topic well, there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, because I don't want golf to be. I love golf, but yeah. I don't want to like make it like. I, look, now I'm talking about me here. <laughs> I don't. But maybe well, good, other we're... people have these same questions. I don't let it get in the way of going to church. I don't get it in the way of here, you know. I mean, I get easy with golfing today. I came in here to do this. I don't, you know, I'm just trying to figure out. I don't want it to be an idol. I love it, though, you know, but I don't want it to become an idol of mine. Yeah. So I'm I, just trying to figure out if, I, if it's becoming an idol. I don't want it to be an idol. But I don't think that it's, I don't think it changes my thought. Like, when I go out, I'm not, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not you know, cussing, and I'm not doing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, anything can become an idol. Just because you love to play golf doesn't mean that's become an idol. It, to me, I look at my hobbies, activities like that, they're, they're relief from the normal right. stress and pressures of the day. I think they help me stay healthy, right. but they're not ultimately what I live for. Okay, and so, that's so what you have to ultimately out. we live for because I, I think there's a lot of people in certain positions they love Jesus they they want to you know do the right things but I think they have certain activities that they love to do they love to be active and they love to do certain things you know whether it be ride horses or go to the lake or 
So I think some people would have that question. They don't want it to become an idol. When does it become an idol? And uh, I think you just answered it there with the last part right there. Well, think of it even in terms of relationship with your wife. You can say all day long that you love her and she's the most important thing to you. But if you don't ever have time for her, you don't ever spend time with her, you don't ever talk to her, you don't really ever right. do things with her, right. at some point she's not convinced that's really true. Right. So it's just trying to sort out. And the, the challenge, I think, with this text is we within the Christian church put so much emphasis on the family, and rightfully so, right. but it can it can get pushed to the point where we actually honor our family more than we honor God. Even Jesus addressed that I even have to be more important to you than your family, hmm. or it becomes a point of idolatry. So I, I think it's possible that family can get pushed to such an extreme, it's just a selfish well, and consumption. It, and it never happens just instantly overnight. It usually is progressive bit by bit and piece by piece, right? I mean, even just think about <clears throat> the time we live in with with sports, right? I mean, your, your fa- family, you want them to be happy, you want them to be involved. But I know a lot of people that I've pastored or we've probably walked with, it's amazing how quickly you never see them anymore at church. And they admit to you, well, we haven't done devotions. We don't pray together because my kids got this sport and this event and this event. And so eventually your life looks no different than anyone else in the world. Those other things have slowly trickled in and begun to take hold. And that's where I think you can begin to self-evaluate and ask yourself, kind of like what you're saying here, is okay, am I demonstrating my authentic love for God in what I spend my time thinking about, what I talk about, and how I'm living? And if that pendulum is way out of whack, then you know, okay, it's time to start bringing it back closer to God. But that takes time to evaluate, but it's never an overnight process. Well, and I think the the more secular our culture becomes, and it's really gone a long ways down that path, the more pressure there is to pursue lots of things as more important than God. Hmm. And I think part of my job as a parent is to help teach and mentor my children in how to put God first. Mm -hmm. So I need to model that. So every family's different, and everybody's going to have to figure that out. But at the end of the day, that's a good thing to think about. Am I teaching them how to sort through all this stuff and still make sure in the midst of it that God is my priority. Right. He's still first above place. all things, above he's all the, things. no matter what. He's the he's obvi- he's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters without putting Jesus first. Absolutely, you definitely have to get that through to your kids. I the well, thanks. Yeah, that's a good question to be answered because I think people mm-hmm. want to know about that. Right. Um, and I love the part about we don't need to be the majority in culture. We just need to be faithful. Nothing is truer than that, than Jesus and his 12 disciples that changed the entire world and made Christianity the largest religion in the world. That happened without social media. That happened without modern transportation. That happened with 12 faithful followers. So absolutely, if you think you're outnumbered, you're never outnumbered when you got God on your side. He is the great equalizer. So uh, yeah, God's a majority all he, by himself. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's the majority all I by like himself. That, I like that. Absolutely. So, don't think it's futile. And it's like, man, there's not that many Christians. And it doesn't matter. 
if my people that are called by name, I name will humble themselves. He's talking to Christians, and whether there's many or few, it doesn't matter. He's, yeah. he's the, you're right, he's the majority. Hmm. I'd say right now in the book of Samuel, where the nation's out at the end of the book of Judges, is 10 times worse than America's ever been. Oh, absolutely. So understanding that as a benchmark, God's about to do something dramatic through one person who's willing to trust him. So we need to remember that. God just needs people who are faithful. Absolutely. So Christians, enough of the doom and gloom. You love Jesus. Stay faithful. He's the... He, he's the majority. He's that you know. Let him, let him work, and you do, you do, you do what you, he needs you to do. You know, love him, be hopeful, be faithful, and go out and change the world. Hey, that's all for talking truth today. But hold on, wait, there's more. Make sure you subscribe so don't miss a single episode. And if you have any questions at all about the Bible, about Jesus. Whatever question you have, we're here to help. I want to help. I want to learn myself. I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm asking questions. God wants us to ask questions. Shoot them our way by emailing us at questions at talk and truth. The letter N, talk, at talkntruth.com. We're going to answer them during our upcoming question and answer episode in February. So send them out today. Again, that's questions at talk the letter n talk and truth dot com. <laughs>